This is a Power 98.7 podcast. Now we're talking. Subscribe to Power 98.7 podcasts in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. There's more on power987.co.za. And it's time for us to talk about retirement savings, pension funds, and your future. Now, scientists and geneticists believe that the first person who may live until the age 200 may have already been born. Age 200. A person who would live to age 200, it's quite possible that that person has already been born. And that's because of the improvements in the quality of health, lifestyles and medical science. And so life expectancy in general has gone up across South Africa and the world at large. In South Africa, the average person is expected to live until the age of 77 or much more. And this means that the traditional system of encouraging people to retire at age 60 or 65, depending on whether you're a man or a woman, it might not be practical any longer because most people are going to live much longer than what they had previously assumed. They're going to use up their retirement savings quite quickly and then be left in the lurch, especially with the rising cost of living. So what needs to happen to change existing pension fund models, savings models to align with medical and physiological trends that we are starting to see in South Africa and globally. And joining us in this conversation, we are joined by Lesejo Mbete, who's the head of employee benefits at Gradic. Gradich Mahura Investments. Hey, I almost gave it an African. <laughs> Gradich. Thank you very much. Mahura Investments. And Takalani Lukamani, who's the manager for the Retirement Fund Conduct Supervision Department at the Financial Service Conduct Authority. Takalani, good morning. And let's start with you. Um, recently, obviously, um, there have been many calls that have been made urging uh, people in South Africa to please claim their pension funds. We are told that there's nearly 50 billion rands of unclaimed funds. In other words, people who used to work, left their job, didn't cash in their pension, and it's floating somewhere in the ether. Please tell us more. Yes. Um, Thank you very much. It's a very important topic that we're trying to create awareness around, and so we value any time that we get to discuss it. Um, there is 47 billion um, that is outstanding or has not been paid or um, to uh, former members of retirement funds. And this goes back as far as um, 60s, 50s, as long as the person was in employment and was actually receiving a benefit that they were contributing towards a um, retirement fund. And that's very important. Um, people usually hear unclaimed benefits and employment and they think, well, that means I'm due um, some money. This is only due to um, approximately 4.8 million South Africans um, and that is over a long period of time. It's not a problem that arose yesterday. Um, So it's very important that people take that into consideration. Um, And we are urging people to come forward to claim the money um, because it is um, legally due to them. Um, for some reasons, people um, did not claim. They didn't know they were due a benefit. Usually people focus more on employment benefits, and so when they lose their job, 
um, especially in your 60s or 70s where people weren't even staying um, where they worked. They went home and completely um, were not aware that they had these benefits due to them. So we are really urging people to come forward um, and check whether they've got any benefits payable to them. How, how would you know or get an inkling that perhaps you could be a claimant? Um, we've actually encountered, we've encountered that problem quite often when we started. And so we decided to establish a database on our um, website that's freely available. Um, we also have dedicated staff at the FSCA, although the, the, the responsibility to claim or to actually trace members is that of the retirement fund. Um, we are assisting members of the public to get in touch with the fund or the administrator that might be holding their unclaimed benefits. So first things would be first, you know, you if you've got any documentation um, with you that might give you an indication that, you know, you had a deduction on your pay slip mm-hmm. for a provident fund, um, and your employer is still in existence, perhaps you contact them. So do as much research as you possibly can. I know it's not always possible because um, some people just know that their father left and went to work in Joburg, but they don't know where um, and they don't have any documentation. But for those that do have, um, you could always then bring all of that information forward. Um, we've got different ways in which you can contact us. Yeah. Um and we will assist you in locating the pension fund for which you can make um, an inquiry. Um, but on our website, we've got a search engine where you right. can put in limited information and then you can get an indication of whether there's a possible benefit for you. Right. Um, the system is designed to give you the contact details of the administrator and also alert the administrator that, hey, there's someone looking for their benefits, here are their contact details, and then you take it from there for them to verify whether your claim is valid or not. Takalani, you've just used the analogy of somebody saying, I don't have the documentation, my father went to Joburg to work, and I don't know much more about that. So could you give us a sense of the profile of many of the people who are coming forward because they were not aware that they had these claims due to them? Um, I, I've read somewhere that 80% of unclaimed funds are in unionized pension funds and the majority of these um, relate to members of the mining industry or low-income mining. Um, yes, I think I also did read that in the article. Um but in actual fact, the, the 80% is related to retirement funds that we call occupational funds. Okay. It's not unionized um, 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 retirement funds. It's funds that are currently still receiving contributions. So we've categorized the funds into, um, um, say you work at Power FM and you are currently contributing to, to that fund, that would be an occupational fund. So it's based on you being employed at a particular company that, that those funds actually still have unclaimed benefits in them. So if you left Power FM and then you didn't actually claim your money, then those are the kind of funds that are actually holding 80% of the unclaimed benefits. The remainder of the 20% is held with what we would call unclaimed benefit funds. So funds that only have 
unclaimed benefit funds due to the fact that perhaps the employer was closing down mm. um, and so there was no occupational fund anymore that could um, still be in existence. And so we needed to be able to allow those funds to close down by transferring those unclaimed benefits into what we call a special purpose vehicle just for unclaimed benefits. And the other one is the beneficiary fund. So those, that 80% is actually in relation to um, all the other retirement, private retirement funds that are still operating as um, funds that are receiving contributions. But the three main sectors that contribute 60% towards the unclaimed benefits, so 60% towards those um, 40, that 47 billion would be in the mining sector, mm. in the motor um, industry, and also in your engineering um, and metal industry. Mm. And if you think about um, the period that we're talking about, where we were saying that it goes, it's a historic problem um, uh, predominantly. Um, those are the sectors that were quite um, active in the in the um, South African economy. And so, um, you know, it makes sense for, for mining especially and for, for the metal and, and, and engineering services as well to be where um, a lot of the unclean benefits mm. are. Because also there was a lot of movement. So one person could work at five different mines mm. um, and, and each of those then still count as um, individual unclean benefits. So there might be duplication as well in the sense that those three industries were, uh, were, were high volume movement in yeah. terms of employees between employers as well. But is there not some sort of responsibility by way of um, HR practices um, or pension fund administrators notifying former employees about unclaimed benefits? There definitely is. Um, I, I think that complication that we're facing, and, and I say we because, you know, this is really when we start doing the work is, is we, we, we are only focused on what is in the best interest of the, of the member. And so anybody that, you know, I want to say stands in the way of that is not, is not working with us. But um, you, you are faced with the practices of today. You know, information and data is something that is valued uh, today. But that's not necessarily the case in 1970, for instance. And especially if the company is also now closed down, Definitely a contributing factor to unclaimed benefits um, that not proper records were kept. Mm. But we must also take South Africa's unique um, history into account as well. Um, You know, in most instances, people um, didn't stay, as I said previously, didn't stay where they were actually working. Um, They gave um, false, you know, different addresses so they could gain employment. Mm. Um, they weren't contactable, you know, postal addresses and cell phones and all of those things are really um, something and in, in information or ways in tracing people today. They're not necessarily information that would have been collected in 1980 or available at okay. that time. And so it complicates tracing quite, quite um, severely yeah. because you're not trying to use today's practices um, yeah. on, on, you know, maybe a credit check or, or getting information um, from home affairs, for instance, um, on, on um, okay. whether someone is passed on or not. But you'd be surprised, you know, the old Donbass number is not actually linked to the ID number. Yeah. So 
trying to find someone that would have been using the Dompas number um, with using an ID number today, you, yeah. you wouldn't be able to link those two people. Okay. So even for the families where people are passed on, um, the documentation that they have um, might be, you know, a death certificate that they created now, mm. which has got an ID number, but that ID number is mm. not necessarily what was on the system back then. Okay, so, record- so there are a lot of compli- complications and and nuances to to South Africa's unclaimed benefits that that complicate things quite um, quite a bit more uh, oh. than what you'd usually find. Yes. Okay, so record keeping is an issue, um, and then finally, because I want to bring um, Lesoko into the conversation as well now uh, about the industry broadly. So, in the event somebody has passed on and did not claim their pension benefits and the family now want to take that up, you know, um, you've mentioned that there's documentation they need to bring forward, but is there a process as well? Because you may find that a wife says, it is my responsibility to do it. A daughter says, no, it is mine. An estranged son says, it is mine. Is there a way in which people ought to go about it so that it's streamlined and not full of conflict? But that is actually um, also one of the, the problems that we're faced with is that families then start to, I want to say, argue, um, you know, over who must actually do this. And in some cases, you'd be surprised, but in some cases, families actually say to us, you know what, until we resolve this issue, do not pay out this money. Yes. So we found the people, but because there is a dispute about who should actually receive the money, it becomes problematic. So for us, um, um, because we're assisting, what we do is whoever then comes forward, we will first want to establish whether there's a benefit or not. That is our first priority. After that, the fund, when they make a payment, will first follow a process of determining who the dependents are. Right. And so proof will be required at some point. You know, if, if you say I am a spouse, then you you will produce a marriage certificate. If you say you are a child, then you will produce um, a, a, a document. But then there will be investigations as well. So a lot of the administrators also and funds yeah. also employ um, tracing agents or investigators to actually verify um, what is being presented to them. So payment is just not, it's not just going to happen. Um, and in some instances, you know, an estate will need to be opened um, and then it will follow that, the interstate succession law in terms of it being distributed. So there will be a process. So no one must just think, well, if I come forward, I'm, I'm then going to be able to uh, cut out my brothers and my sisters from getting the money. That won't be possible. Um, because there will be an investigation that will be done in the event. Okay. Uh, Lindsay in Orlando West has a question. Lindsay, good day. Good day. How are you? Fine, thank you. Go ahead. Ask your question, please. Okay. My, in fact, it's, it's both a comment and a question. That, that, uh, all Lindsay? these companies... Yes, can you hear me? Yeah, okay. Go ahead. Okay, yeah. I'm saying all these companies that are sitting with funds... 
that are due to people are not serious about dating with people. We, for many years, have approached many of them, and I'm obviously not going to mention names, but most of these companies, we've told them, listen, we can locate the people who you guys need to pay out. If we locate them, you then pay us. If we don't locate them, you don't pay us. But it's across the board. All of them are not serious because, like I'm saying, had a tracing company and for five but we were able to trace and locate these people. So I wanted to find out how is it that how can we because there's a lot of young people and we can also make use of our network if we have to trace someone in Gomshabaya Lingana, we can get a young person that go out and create employment through tracing these people. Okay. Um, uh, Lindsay, unfortunately, your line is not the cleanest. It's breaking a little bit, but we got a gist of what you're saying, Tagalani. Um, Lindsay is saying that um, there are systems that can be implemented for tracing those who have not been able to claim their uh, pensions, their benefits, um, and, and, and they should sort of be considered along that value chain and be paid properly as well. And then secondly... Um, if you kind of regulate and streamline the tracing process and you bring the tracers onto the system to help, it could create additional employment. Could you tell us how you go about finding those who've not been able to claim their, their pension benefits? Yeah, so as I mentioned earlier, um, the SSCA doesn't actually do tracing and we don't do um, payments. The money and the validating and processing of um, all of the information is actually held with the retirement fund. So those, um, that 80% that we spoke about before, yeah. all of those funds are actually holding the unclaimed benefits that we are talking about. So our role at the moment is more of an intermediary between the members of the public and those retirement funds. Mm-hmm. Those retirement funds are responsible for tracing and paying. And they employ tracing agents. And they go and employ other methods, whether it is contacting um, employees through the the employer or um, getting a tracing agent or advertising, whatever it is that they employ, we then um, have a look at whether that is reasonable. Obviously, as you would have seen in the study, obviously, you know, as we as we go along in the process, we are now looking at whether the steps that the funds are actually employing are effective and are um, uh, producing the outcomes that we want to, to see in unclaimed benefits. And so that's the next level. It's for us to then say to funds, show us on a regular basis what it is that you are doing. Um, and then we need to work with them to say, what, what else can be done? Um, in in trying to prevent, because obviously uh, having unclaimed benefits is not a good outcome for a retirement fund. So we need to make sure that the ones that are there now are paid and we also need to make sure there is proper controls in place to prevent unclaimed benefits as well going forward. Um, I would encourage um, anybody who's then got a tracing company um, to then approach those retirement funds. I mean, uh, on, on our website, the details and the funds um, that that you can contact are available, and so you would be able to say these are the people that I want to 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 approach um, to be able to trace. We just need to be very careful as well, Loretta, because you know we're dealing with 
people's information, people's yeah. personal information. Yeah. And you would know um, if there's money involved and there is, um, there's, there's people walking around with a list of names and people are due money. Mm. You know, it does, it does compromise the very people that we're trying to look yeah. for. Yeah. And so we also have to be very careful when we look at the, there, are, there is um, the uh, Protection of Personal Information Respect. Act as well. Yeah. Um, and so the funds themselves, when they employ tracing agents, need to be careful about who they're giving information to and what kind of information. Mm-hmm. On our side, we are not providing any information at the moment okay. on our database because we are not the responsible party for that information. That means it belongs to the retirement funds. And we collected it on the basis that we were establishing the database and only for the use of members of the public. And so for us to then provide it um, to a third person would be um, in, in, at this point um, not in line with the provisions of the POPIA Act. So okay. we, we are not, we're not saying we, we wouldn't um, consider um, um, finding ways to improve tracing um, but on that, on on contracting someone directly ourselves, right. we we are not doing that at the moment. Right. Um, there is a proposal to have a central unclaimed benefit fund, um, and once that fund is established, it will have all the unclaimed benefits under um, one mm-hmm. banner, yeah. um, and so that will also eliminate you know having unclaimed benefits everywhere. You know, and uh, one thousand three hundred. Uh, funds doing different ways of tracing and all of that. So that might be when also tracing agents could approach um, that central unclaimed benefit fund and also provide services to them. Dagalani Lukaimani, the manager for the Retirement Conduct Supervision Department for the Financial Sector Conduct Authority. Thank you so much for uh, just clarifying for us um, the status of those nearly 50 billion rands worth of unclaimed benefits. If you think your relative, yourself, um, your grandparents may have not received their pension payouts, you need to get in touch with the Retirement Fund Conduct Supervision Department, uh, with the Financial Services Conduct Authority, uh, or go onto the website and uh, punch in your details and see whether or not there could be a match between your identity and what they have on their records. We're taking a news, and after that, we're going to talk about the future of retirement savings with Lisa Humpete. Getting you what you need to know. Power Talk, weekdays 9 a.m. to noon on Power 98.7. It's all about savings, pockets, purse strings, preparing for the future. We're in conversation now with Lisa Humpete, Head of Employee Benefits at Gradich. Yes. <laughs> that was so funny. <laughs> Gradich Mahora Investments. Uh, yeah, it, it's written like it needs an African spin to it, but okay. <laughs> you get it a lot. <laughs> Lesejo, let's talk about planning for your retirement. Obviously, before the news bulletin, we were hearing that there's 50 billion rands in unclaimed benefits. So there's money somewhere in the system. People don't know that they're entitled to it. And you've got a government saying, where do we source resources? Can we use pension funds for infrastructure investments? What do we do? Do you have an opinion about what's a good way to ensure that these savings grow, the savings income grows whilst you're trying to trace and track? 
Yeah, so um, it's very interesting what the FSCA shared with us this morning. Um, this is something obviously that we also track quite closely as an industry because at the end of the day, it's our responsibility to try and assist our members when a person does join a retirement fund that they understand the benefits that they have. Mm-hmm. Have conversations and continue those conversations even after the person leaves. So it's always been my opinion that when um, a fund is being started, how you implement it, how you communicate with your members will then determine the end result. Yeah. So. In effect, what we're trying to do, you're talking about purse strings and savings. Pension funds are a very good vehicle for people to save for retirement. Firstly, it's a deduction of your salary that you don't even miss. Um, often people will say, no, I do miss it. Show, send it to me and I'll show you that I can actually utilize it elsewhere. But be that as it may, it is something that uh, can assist people with saving for retirement for their future. However, we need to always make sure that members understand that on termination of service, this benefit does belong to you. I mean, if we think about the past, a lot of people would say, no, there's a retirement fund. My employer was contributing, therefore it doesn't belong to me. Mm-hmm. If I leave, those funds need to go back to my employer. Well, that's since changed. You know what I mean? So it's those conversations and making people aware that those funds, as soon as they hit the retirement fund, whoever it is, they actually belong to you and you've got something to claim at the end of the day. So the regulator has been looking at whether or not pension funds should be allowed to invest some of those savings in big projects. Yes. So, I mean, the, the regulations have yet to be concluded, but it's stuff like in the event that, say, an ESCOM needed a bailout, would you allow, your, your face frowned immediately, but would you allow pension funds to divert some of that money into there by way of earning uh, an income? I need to say categorically, those are just suggestions on the table it's just something before the minister of finance it's not been legislated or regulated but what do you make of different ways in which retirement savings can be grown in terms of capacity to earn in the infrastructure space um i agree with it if we look at the 50 billion rand that's sitting in the unclaimed benefits fund uh the fsca did say it's over a number of years these are people who Uh, Back in the day, if we use the mining sector as an example, they migrated from wherever they were staying to come and work in the city. And then they went back home, right? Now, if you utilize those funds to develop those areas, you know, areas where there are no schools, areas where there's limited health care, where we have issues with pit toilets in schools. Yes, by all means, then we can get behind those kind of infrastructure products that uplift communities that are meant to be benefiting from these funds. If you use the example of a member passing away, that was something that they were supposed to leave for their family. Mm. If the family can't trace it, they're still living in dire straits. Mm. If the funds are being utilized to uplift a pati- uh, that community or the area surrounding that particular family, obviously we don't know where the families yeah. are and all of that, but that is something that we can get behind. Just productive use of capital. Yes, yes. So it's, it's not... Uh, you used the example of, of ESCOM and I did front a little bit. But um, issues do. like that, yes. Issues like that, that impact people on a daily basis that impact their living standards that that impact their ability to get health care that yes we could 
look into it. Yes, like you said, it is still in front of the uh, Minister of Finance and it's not something that's uh, been legislated. Because once you start mentioning that, you have people up in arms. Yeah. It's my money. The government should is, not be yeah. touching my money. Yeah. But I mean, that money is growing. That's the issue. Yes. Is that those pension yes, funds, when, you, when you're saving every month, yeah. they're actually investing that yes. money somewhere for yes. you. So the question is, where would they yield higher returns? Would yeah. it be in these big infrastructure projects? That's, yes. that's really the question. Tato um, is unable to speak, but she sent through a message via social media saying what about admin fees can these be capped so the the issue of administration fees is always an ongoing topic when it comes to to retirement funds in fact not just admin fees but costs in general mm-hmm. you know the costs that are involved with running a particular fund um we can look at ways it they, the the regulator is looking at ways to regulate how costs are being um distributed or how costs are being allocated when it comes to retirement funds and charges. Um, I mean, that's part of the the job of your board of trustees of these retirement funds to make sure that the fund that you're running actually is quite cost competitive in relation to, because you've got a multitude of service providers. You can always source better quotes. You can always source administration quotes, um, asset management quotes. We've got a flourishing um asset management businesses that are coming up in South Africa. So you can always look at alternatives if you feel costs are running away from yeah. you in terms of a fund. So it's always important to keep on the pulse of, of what's happening with regards to costs on your fund. Let's go to the essence of why you are here. Yes. You are here to talk to us about the need to start rethinking retirement savings. Yes. Because on average, people are told plan for your retirement. So when you start working at age 25, put away a little bit every month, a thousand rands every month of your salary, so that when you retire, you can retire comfortably, they say. Yes. And everybody sort of has an idea that there is a finite date, age 60 or age 65. And then you'll retire for 10 or 15 years, and then you will meet your maker. Yes. Except it's not quite happening like that anymore. No, it's not. Currently, as an industry, we expect, we're experiencing where members are outliving the funds that they've saved, saved for retirement. So what's happening is people are getting to 65. You mentioned earlier before we started the topic, the fact that uh, with medical technology and with science, people and improved healthcare, people are living longer. Mm-hmm. So it is an issue. Um, the fact that we have a set retirement date doesn't necessarily mean that that's when a person actually leaves, uh, stops working. Some people at 65 are just getting started. You know, you you hear stories of it's never too late. So the idea of a retirement date is not not as stringent as it used to be, you know. And we really do need to start rethinking that, yes, maybe your company has a policy to say at 65, unfortunately, we can no longer keep you in the organization. um, And then you still feel you've got energy. So that retirement savings is not to say stop working. It could be the time for you to start maybe a business, something that you've always been passionate about. It doesn't even have to be 65. But the biggest thing is the longer you save, the better off you'll be. That's why people say, uh, or or the general understanding is, once you start working, that's when you should start uh, trying to save for that retirement date. Let's consider the the fact that more people are living longer. The average age of a South African now, life expectancy of a South African man is Mm. 77. Yes. You know, which is almost 10 to 15 years what it was a couple of decades ago. And you're saying when you reach the mandatory retirement age of 65 but you've still got energy don't cash the pension yes re-save it 
or reinvested. Talk yes. to us about the strategies that you're proposing. So one of the things that um, the regulator has also introduced is something called default regulations. You know, where a retirement fund has to provide default investment strategies, a default annuity strategy, and also um, preservation, default preservation uh, within a fund. And when I talk about the fact that when a person gets to 65, uh, they might not be ready to retire. So what we propose is looking at a person from when five years before they reach retirement Mm -hmm. because they need to be offered retirement benefit counseling now. You'll find a lot of um, service providers offering this to their members because we're seeing that talking to somebody at 65 is too late. You have to catch them at least five years before to find out what are your plans? Do you still have a bond? Do you still have children to put through school? And then from that point, you have a discussion around, all right, so in five years' time, you're going to have to go on retirement. That's the company policy. But for you, you still need to somehow um, either supplement your income or start to generate a new income. So in those five years, instead of scaling down on your investment, so a lot of people go into something more conservative, something that will contain their capital that's not too risky. But you know that the probability of working for another 10 years is very high. Mm. We have that conversation with that person that maybe go into something that's more moderate so that you can still maintain some growth on your funds to be able to then look after you in the long Mm. run. If somebody's saying, no, at 65, I'm done, I'm finished, thank you very much, um, then you can talk, have a different conversation with that person. But it is on an individual basis, and it's very important that people receive that retirement benefit counselling when they are getting close to that stage where they need to now decide what they're going to be doing. They might not know, but at least if you come through and have that conversation, you're triggering something within them to think about it. You use the word supplement, supplement your income, for instance. So let's say you do opt to take your retirement, cash in your retirement benefits, because it's mandatory or whatever the case may be, and you do have an opportunity to take a contract job, for instance, as a consultant, because you've got this wealth of skills. Yes. How then do you sort of balance the income you're now generating with the fact that you're still getting a deposit either monthly or this lump sum that's coming through on your pension savings? So the conversation would then continue. So even though you might maybe you might not have been sure about a contract when you reach retirement age and then you find out after the fact, you still have time to make a decision regarding your funds. If you do get a a supplementary income, you can then redirect the additional income into an alternative savings vehicle, you know, to then generate some savings for yourself. You're not going to be working the entire time. Maybe you want to take a few trips here and there. Maybe there's things that you want to build. Maybe you're trying to uh, establish um, some sort of legacy for your children. So you do have then uh, options and that's what your retirement savings can do for you mm-hmm. when you reach that stage it gives you options it's not about a lump sum it's about having the choice of whether or not right. do i continue to work am i able to continue working or can i look after myself with what i have you mentioned that sort of reinventing yourself perhaps you retire and then you start a business and there is a a mindset and this is really a mindset where people say why would you start a business at 60 that's very, very risky. The banks aren't even going to uh, give you a loan, for instance, purely yes, because of your true. age, yes. right? You now represent, you have a, a sort of a risk profile because of your age. So to take the savings that are supposed to sustain you and invest in a business, some people say that actually makes zero sense. 
I hear what you're saying. And, and you're absolutely right. You need to do the necessary research. That's why I'm saying retirement benefit counseling is so important. You don't want to be taking chances, which happens to a lot of uh, people who reach 65. Once you see that actually the amount that I saved, because I didn't start as early as I should have, is not enough. Then all these uh, people come and tell you, no, let's start a let's start a puzzle shop here. Let's sell this. Let's start that. You know, and then you pour out your savings into that. The biggest thing is to do your research. I often say people who do find success are those who then go into businesses that are linked to their hobbies. If whilst you're working, there's something else that you were interested in. You know, you used to be a sports person, for example, and you can train people uh, if you still got the energy at 65, which a lot of people still do, like I said. So find what you're good at during the time that you're still at work. At 65, it's a, it, you still have time, but you're pushing it quite finely to try and invest in something very right. quickly. You're, you're, um, you, you need to take consideration of things that you can see around you that you uh, believe can work. And also, it's not a 100% investment into, this, into your business. Don't be reckless about the investment itself. You know, Look at ways that you know will sustain you. Even if you start the business maybe two years before you go on retirement uh, or whatever the case might be. But be considered and, and research thoroughly what it is that you want to do once you hit your golden years. I once heard a story that Colonel Saunders... Yes. Of that beautiful <laughs> southern fried chicken, actually yeah. started that business when he was over seventy-two years old. Yes. So it is never too late to pursue your dreams. What we're going to be doing in a second is discussing the strategies of making that retirement uh, or, or pension income grow for you once you have it cash in hand. You're listening to Muratombele on Power ninety-eight point seven. We are talking strategies to make your retirement savings grow, uh, different ways in which you can prepare for retirement, and just thinking outside the box in terms of managing your assets uh, for the day when you no longer are able or willing to work. We're in conversation here with Lisa Kompete, who's the head of employee benefits at Gradich Mahura Investments. Um, a comment has come through from Rafinwe online, and she says, can I save money in a preservation fund? without using it can i save money without using it in a preservation fund and then she says i invested in a different company after age 55 but the financial advisor indicated that i have to withdraw a monthly income from it i actually wanted to save it until i was no longer able to work is that possible so um we're discussing probably two different products the preservation fund uh, the way a preservation fund is set up is you you uh, invest a lump sum and you can't make any further contributions into a preservation fund. Mm-hmm. So an example would be you leave an employer, you, you're joining another company and you don't need, you, you want to reinvest your money, yeah. but you want to park it in a place where it can continue to earn investment returns. That's when you'll utilize okay. a preservation fund. If you're in a vehicle, sort of a, a retirement annuity fund where you've been making uh, monthly contributions and you get to, from age 55 onwards, you can retire from a, a retirement annuity fund where you're then forced to take Either you can take a lump sum, uh, one third uh, in cash, and then two thirds you do have to purchase a monthly pension. So depending on the rules of that particular fund that you're invested in, you might have to um, take that pension out. But it's not to say that you have to then use the the pension. You can always redirect, as I said before, uh, that investment into something else. 
So if you were not able to start saving early for whatever reasons, yes, and then eventually you do. So let's say you start saving at age 35, 40, and all you can afford is the proverbial 1,000 rands a month. And somebody says that's not enough for the future you want, but that's all you can afford. Yes. And then by God's grace, you get a better job and now you can afford to save more. Is there flexibility in a retirement annuity to say, I want to now raise my savings from that 1,000 rands to 3,000 rands every month? Yes, definitely. I mean, the same can be said for pension and provident funds. If you want to make uh, additional contributions to your retirement savings, you can definitely do so. Your retirement annuity would allow you to increase your contributions. Uh, With your pension and your provident fund, you can make additional uh, voluntary contributions uh, depending on the rules of the fund. So you're not stuck at one amount that you need to contribute Mm -hmm. continuously. You know, some people during uh, towards the end of the tax year, if they've got a retirement annuity and they get maybe a bonus in January. They throw it into their retirement annuity because of the tax savings that they'll get at the end of the tax year. So it is possible for you to contribute more to your retirement Mm -hmm. fund should you be able to. And what about the same scenario in the reverse? You've come out of a COVID uh, environment, you're cash strapped, um, your finances are stretched, inflation is going up and you can no longer afford to contribute the 3,000 rands a month into your retirement annuity and you want to continue to save but not that much again you can have that conversation with your financial advisor or your product provider to say i would like to reduce my contributions this is for a retirement annuity to reduce my contributions from um to meet the minimum so most of these product providers do have a minimum amount that you have to contribute which just so happens to be uh, about a thousand rand so you can say i was at two thousand i would like to reduce to mm-hmm. to about a thousand rand some even allow you to make your fund paid up. So a retirement annuity, you can say, you know what, I can't actually afford uh, contributions at all. So I'd like to make it paid up where it continues to earn investment returns. And then once you're ready to resume, you can go back and start oh. re, uh, reinvesting or putting uh, contributions back into the fund. If you look at uh, a pension or a provident fund under your employer, those are set as per the rules of the fund. Yeah. So in the moment of COVID that we had two years ago, uh, what a lot of companies did was then they, they reached out to the fund to say listen we've either had to cut salaries or we've had to retrench or or whatever the case might be and we're trying to relieve some uh, financial obligation from our members so can we put a halt on the contribution so go into a break in contributions that again that would have uh, needed to be approved by the board of trustees of that fund and also sent to the FSCA if it wasn't already incorporated Mm -hmm. in the rules to allow that so there are mechanisms if there is a financial situation to put a hold on your investment uh, in order for you at least for the money to continue to grow you know because the one thing that we all have in equal amounts is time and the longer you keep your money invested that's where your growth comes in what do you make of people and this is not a judgment this is just reality who reach retirement age or take early retirement and then get given this lump sum. And the first thing they do is renovate the house. It's been what I'm wanting to do. Oh, my child's just graduated. I want to gift my child a car or or whatever it is that they do. So the propensity for consumption as opposed to reinvestment and further savings. So having been in the industry for about 12 years now, uh, when I started off, I started off uh, working in claims. So a lot of the times I was processing these retirements, these resignations, and a lot of people were cashing out their funds to do exactly that. 
So it's not something that's new. It's something that's been happening over a long period of time. And as an industry, what we're trying to do is to educate people, to make them aware that as good as your intentions are to gift your child for graduation, or as good as your intentions are to extend your house, first look at as far as possible into the future in terms of legacy building. It's not a point of judgment. If you've got things that you need to do, if you do not have a house that belongs to your family, then by all means, invest in a house. But it should be an investment into your family. Should anything happen to you, then you know your children have a roof over their head. You know they've got a place to sleep. Those things are important. The ones where people are buying, you know, gifting somebody a car, that is lovely. That has the greatest of intentions but it does not help them once they now start looking for for they're struggling to find a job if you ha- no longer have an income coming through we have a, a job scarcity issue in south africa then you're going to have to sell the car at a lower mm-hmm. price than what you bought you know so it's a liability so if you look at it in the context of how do i help my family with a lasting legacy mm-hmm. and gift them with that And then couple that with what your needs are in retirement. Together we can then, from that point, build a better outcomes for our our members, the individuals who are retiring, and for those that are coming thereafter. Let's talk about the strategy finally for taking the money that is due to you, that you've worked for, your retirement benefits, but being conscious of the fact and cognizant of the fact that you could live an extra five to six years longer than what you'd imagine than what society had told you was possible. What are the ways of either preserving cash or making that cash grow? Should you be investing in real estate? What can you do? What is the strategy for longevity? So the the strategy for for longevity is, like I said, we all all have time in equal amounts. Mm. So the longer your money remains in growth environments, that's your equities in in those kind of spaces, in multi-asset uh, situations, then there is um, that greater chance of your money growing over the long term. What tends to happen is once people reach uh, retirement, they then fear a lot of the things that, that are happening, which is correct. You know, two years ago we had COVID and that the markets took a knock. You know, if that was your sole retirement savings, that's all you had. You can't afford to be in the stock market. So it's not easy to do a one-size-fits-all for everybody. The strategy, like I said, needs to start at least five years before. Mm-hmm. Then we talk about where are you investing your funds? Are you using a multi-manager? Are you using an asset manager? How are you? What are you planning to do with your income? Mm-hmm. I mean, your financial advisor, advisors are able to do projections or do calculations. How much do you need when you do a financial needs analysis? Mm. Because we're not all the same. Mm. You might be a single parent, a single parent retiring with a child who's still in school. Mm. Your needs are different from a couple that's retiring with no children in school. You know, so the longevity of those funds will depend on your personal circumstances. But it is definitely something that you can you can uh, tailor make. And finally, in just a number, when ideally should a person start saving from what age from the day they receive their first paycheck whether that's 18 whether that's 25 whether that's 22 
From the first salary that you earn, that is when you need to start saving. The longer you're saving, the better the outcomes will be. Not only at 65, because I talk to a lot of millennials and you should see how they roll their eyes at me when I said, uh, when I say retirement is 65. They say, I'm not planning to work that mm. long, which is fantastic. Your, 65, your retirement can be 45, yeah. but the sooner you start, the greater you have options for yourself okay. for what you want to do at retirement. Lisa Rompeta, Head of Employee Benefits at Gradich Mahura Investments. Get in touch with her if you're thinking about increasing your savings for the future. You've been listening to a Power 98.7 podcast. For more podcasts, visit power987.co.za or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.